Welcome, everybody, to the Chinchilla Picking Podcast. It is September the 8th, 2022. As always, we hope to be entertaining, educational, and uplifting because we want everyone to make money. My name is David Underwood. As always, I'm here with Brandon Beaver. Brandon, how are you, man? How are you? Get your fishing rod ready, Dave. You're going to have to reel me in here because I was (laughs) on my way home listening to the Fast Money Podcast. And one of the traders started talking about, oh, if you're ordering pumpkin spice anything, you failed at life. Okay. Haters. So you know what this is? It's the same kind of people that, oh, oh, Nickelback sucks. I don't like them either. And then you pull up next to them and then you're like, oh, you're listening to Photograph right now. You better turn that down because I hear it. I hear it. And you know what? Leader of Men is not that bad of a song. Okay. So be different. (laughs) Be different than the crowd. Raise up your pumpkin spice lattes and frappes, all right? Eat your pineapple pizzas and listen to your Nickelback because the rest of the people don't matter. <laughs> I, you know, I actually, I agree with that. I agree with that. Hey, are you doing this? Because, you know, we're going live at a Starbucks here soon. No, but I will. I'll say the same thing again. And I'll have my pumpkin spice frappe and I'll listen to Leader of Men. There you go. There you go. <laughs> nice nice so did you uh, i i do want to i do want to mention a couple couple senses about the biggest news of the day uh queen elizabeth has passed she is no longer with us uh big news all over headlines everywhere you can't i can't i could not go to a single news source today without that being one the main headline right now, now. we have king charles philip george whatever and now we um, have the next in line. Arthur, yeah. I think he's got another first name in there somewhere. So, <laughs> correct. Uh, but this being a financial podcast, I'm sure you want to know, does this have any effect on the markets or the UK uh, economy? Um, the only effect it would have on the UK economy is that people will be out having dinner out, maybe a few extra drinks out when they're out and about. Uh, that kind of effect. It's a small bump, nothing to trade off of, nothing to invest off of. It's going to be really uh, annoying on social media for the next two weeks. I, I, <laughs> I, I will say this. I, uh, uh, my condolences go out to any family that has lost a, a loved one. Um, having said all that, um, I, we covered it. We talked about it. Uh, let's move on to financial investment uh, news, and let's talk more about. Um, well, let's go first into uh, the rules, 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 rules. Brandon and I get together five to ten minutes before the show, and we tell each other what we're going to talk about. We do not discuss it. You hear the live discussion here on the show just for you. You brought up pumpkin spice latte. I wasn't actually going to talk about this, but you brought it up. And uh, it's funny because if you're listening right now, Brandon had said he was going to make a comment about pumpkin spice lattes. And I said, well, hey. There's a whole Starbucks angle here to talk about that we have not really delved into besides a couple moments last week where you mentioned Howard Schultz and the new CEO. Um, Starbucks is a rare breed of coffee shop, right? Rare breed in that, in that, here's where I'm going with this, in that they get a bump during the holiday season just like a retailer like Walmart or Target or some other place or Macy's would. They get that big bump in the holiday season as well. So knowing that, that that's coming up and knowing people are really going to have to cut back this holiday season, but I don't think they're going to cut back on their coffee. I think they're still going to go out there, get their pumpkin spice lattes, their 
white uh, peppermint mochas and, and all the other holiday things and buy those holiday cups from Starbucks. Got to get in line to get your red cup. Uh, um, but uh, I believe those things are still going to happen. So is Starbucks looking positive compared to other companies that need that bump during the holiday season? Brandon, so. your thoughts? Yeah, I think so. Even with the change in CEO, with Howard Schultz finally stepping down and moving away? Uh, you know, I don't know much about the new guy. But uh, I don't think he's going to step down this time around without having absolute faith in who he's putting in in, uh, in charge. There is a chance that Howard Schultz does not come back this time. He said he's not going to. Is, he, is he like Tom there. Brady? He's pretty. Yeah. He's the Tom Brady of CEOs. I'm stepping out. Oh, no, I'm coming back. I. It would be really it is kind of like an athletic thing, though, really, if you think about it, like you've been a CEO and a founder of this your whole life. This is your baby. And then when you step down, what do you do? You're certainly not going to sit back and and let your uh, your chain that you started move away from coffee and start selling Yanni CDs again. That's not going to happen. Right. <laughs> it didn't right. turn out too well. But um now, I he he might be done for real this time. He says he is. He's getting up there in age. I I, I don't know. Uh, but I I really do like Starbucks. I like the way that it's run. Um, they've got a hold on the car, coffee market like nobody else does. Um, McDonald's came out with a McCafe that was supposed to compete. It does compete, but it's it's not the same. I think Duncan is the closest competitor to to Starbucks. Yeah. But they're just they're just different. You really got to be either a Dunkin' person or a Starbucks person, really. I'm both. There you blueberry go. coffee, blueberry coffee from Dunkin', iced blueberry coffee. Yeah, 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 yeah. You made me, you made me get your drink one time, and uh, if you're listening, I made fun of him for like ten minutes, and that's probably why he has this built up anger about about pumpkin spice lattes and stuff. <laughs> Mine, uh, mine will probably be a frappe when we go to Starbucks. It'll probably be a pumpkin spice frappe, extra shot of espresso. Yeah, let me put this plug in here since we're we're talking about Starbucks. Um, we will be on September 17th, September 17th, Saturday, 11 a.m. We will be at the Starbucks on Union Center Boulevard in Westchester, Ohio. Brandon and I will be live and in person. We'll be taking your questions. Brandon will be taking the questions. I will start off the answer, and he'll also answer some, uh, questions as well. Uh, but we'll be there live. We'll have a big banner up. They've already reserved a part of the store for us. They're very nice. Thank you, uh, Kirsten. If you're listening to our podcast, thank you. Uh, she's the store manager there. She's worked with us. Uh, she's been working with us, and uh, we hope to have a great podcast. Please show up if you're in the Cincinnati area. Come on by Westchester, Ohio, Union Center Boulevard, Starbucks, September 17th at 11 a.m. We will be there. Brandon will have his frappe, and I will have my coffee black. What so, if the meme stock people will leave their mom's basements to come and yell at me? Ooh. I, I You know what? You're, 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 you antagonize those guys on stock twits. If you get on stock twits and you uh, try to find Chinchilla Pickin, Brandon is the face of Chinchilla Pickin on stock twits, and he he does do some antagonizing with those uh, – meme stock people so he 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 takes a stick and pokes the apes if you will but uh brandon um 
let me go first. I'll go into Bowen because I mentioned okay. this to you. So let me let me start off in Bowen because I think that's going to lead into what you have and what you wanted to uh, bring into the, the motion here. Bowen, guys, why am I looking at Bowen? So Bowen had a big order recently come in, huge order. So Poland, everybody knows the country of Poland, they went ahead and put an order in for 96 Apache helicopters at a cost of over $100 million each. Bowen is making billions off of this deal. This is a huge deal for Bowen, and it's, it's going to take them years to fulfill. So they got that stream coming in, not, you know, unless all these other uh, airplane orders that have, they've been ordered over the past few years coming in. They fix the issues with their Dreamliners. They fix the issues of all the other planes. I don't know of any more issues. There was a scandal at one point as to where the parts were coming from, a illegal factory or broken parts. Nobody paid attention to that. I did. I did. Came on here and I talked about Airbus having a scandal too. Nobody paid attention to Airbus scandal. It didn't drop like I thought it would. I didn't. I didn't understand that either because Airbus had a real problem within their company and it didn't drop. So will Bowen jump off the news of this big huge deal that they made? And this was the two days ago they made this deal. So it's been in the news now. They should have made the the move. I haven't checked the stocks. I see I see Brandon over here already pulling it up, looking at the chart. Uh, so when you get to the chart, Brandon, let me know if, if they did make the move over the past two days up in a positive. It should affect the stock because I believe Poland's taking this step. Other companies are also going to follow suit because Poland could have gone with Airbus or one of the other co uh, competitors that are closer to them. But they went with Boeing. So about 3% in the past few days. Three percent. So that's not a big, big rise. So will there be more? Will there be more orders coming in like this? Uh, I don't know. With the Australia uh, uh, scandal as well, where they were ordering submarines from France and said they switched to the United States, are more people starting to switch ordering these military parts from competitors around the world and going to the United States? And does that have a big impact for Boeing, Raytheon, or? Northrop Grunham and all these other ones because current gun sales, Smith and Wesson sales are down. So Smith and Wesson sales are down. That stock took a hit today off the news of that. But we're not looking at, you know, gun sales. We're looking at, you know, helicopters, missiles, and and those type of things. Are is this a sign of the times that more people are stopped buying from these other countries and start going to the United States for these weapon deals? So Smith & Wesson's probably down year over year in sales because so many people just did outdoor stuff the past two years with COVID and everything and all the lockdowns that were happening. They probably were going out to the gun range and stuff like that. And then, you know, focus of the consumer has shifted. A lot of demand was brought forward. So that's no surprise to me. Um, and, and to be honest, to be 100% honest with you, you just mentioned Smith and Wesson being down. That's just the top of my mind. I that I don't really know if that's the case. I didn't hear the earnings call, but I would assume that's the case. Um, for Boeing, I still I can't buy the stock. I mean, it's just like how many different <laughs> safety issues are going to arise and surprise everybody? And in, in, are those Apache helicopters going to be? Who knows? I don't know. I I can't buy Boeing. Um, it, it may be a buy off this news. I don't know. Um, I do like Raytheon. I've, I've liked Raytheon for a long time. I've liked Lockheed Martin for a long time. And speaking of a defense play, one that's on my watch list, that's still a little bit too expensive for me. But if we get a market crash and it comes down, I'd look at CrowdStrike. 
Well, now here's the thing. I like CrowdStrike, right? Mm-hmm. Um, Lockheed Martin is a great play. Now, with us sending all these these uh, U.S. Uh, surplus uh, military weapons over to Ukraine and uh, giving them the money and the missiles and the javelins and all those, you know, we have to we have to re refill our inventory here. So, you know, I'm looking at these as like, you know, they're going to be making money for the next two to three years based of all these yeah. uh, geopolitical events that are happening around the world and countries switching from buying uh, parts from Russia or France and switching to the United States. Yeah. You know, I think long term, you know, you're going to see in, in the stronger, like I said, the, the bigger uh, military uh, component uh, companies such as Boeing or Raytheon or Lockheed Martin, I, I see them growing over the next two years to three years and especially growing their top line number and their bottom line number because everybody's in a cost conscious uh, environment right now. Everybody's looking to keep their bottom uh, line numbers really high. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, I think their top line numbers are going to grow over the next two years compared to the rest of the market. It's going to be an outlier. Yeah, I think Not- so too. So I mean I think it's I think it's a safe investment. Without mismanagement. If 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 there's still mismanagement in Boeing, then I don't know. But um not for that particular company, but for a lot of the companies that we just mentioned, CrowdStrike's gonna grow a lot. Yeah, CrowdStrike's a, a, a great company. I think this is the first one that we've and, both completely hundred percent agree yeah. that that's gonna great and, company is gonna go. This is a uh you know, um computer security, network security company. Uh, they were one of the first to do it via cloud so that, um, you know, you get Norton antivirus or McAfee antivirus on your computer, on your one single computer. But for a company, it's really expensive to buy Norton antivirus or McAfee for every single computer that they have and maintain those subscriptions. But with CrowdStrike, you just have the one subscription. It protects every computer via the cloud. And their AI is just so amazingly their AI can detect threats before they even really happen. So. Yeah. And, and uh, let me just talk about cybersecurity as, as a whole, man. I covered this, I think it was what, six months ago with Walmart. Walmart created a whole division in its company. They, it was like 10 or 15,000 people just for cybersecurity yeah. alone. Yeah. Uh, GE, uh, last time I heard back in, this was back in May, GE was, or April, I think it was April, April. GE was going ahead and offering people, um, to pay them to go to college, but they have to work for them for so many years as a cybersecurity analyst because they didn't have enough cybersecurity personnel. Right. And they were just saying, like, let's just pay for people's colleges and, and you can come work for us, but you have to work for us so many years. I mean, there's not enough cybersecurity people out there right now. If I was 18 coming out of high school, cybersecurity would be where I'm going because that's a huge threat. Right. It was on the news today, again, as one of the other headlines, other headlines, um, was cybersecurity threat to the United States. Cyber Companies are investing billions in the cybersecurity right now then that's why I, I love CrowdStrike. I think it's it's yeah. like you said, it's poised to really take a, advantage of this market and, and really grow. When Sony brought in CrowdStrike to investigate the hack that happened from from uh, North Korea over that movie that they made about Kim Jong-il a couple of years ago, you remember that? Yep. They brought in CrowdStrike. Um, and CrowdStrike was able to identify the ha- hackers and the location, the IP address and everything like that. The DNC got hacked and, and it was Russia that hacked them. That was in 2016, if you remember that, that it was CrowdStrike who identified the Russian hackers. So, I mean, they've they've made a big name for themselves already with the government and with big corporations. 
Um, so yeah, I really like CrowdStrike. I don't currently own it right now, but I am watching it to to try to get in at a good price. Yeah. So here's my takeaway from this conversation. I I, I listened to you about your concerns about Bowen. Okay, I probably wouldn't buy Bowen either. You're right. You you did remind me that they did have a lot of issues consistently over and over and over again. But I do like Lockheed Martin and Raytheon, um, Northrop Grenham. Those three is the ones I would be looking at for uh, long term for my. Uh, if you're going to have a uh, military defensive play, that was would be the three I would go with. And those are your proven companies, right? Um, and then also, we, we you know, CrowdStrike would be another one, but that's more of a cybersecurity as also not just military, not just governmental, but also you know the the WalMarts or the Sony's or the what have you's, you know, utilize CrowdStrike as well. So that's also a, a good a good investment in that in that regard. It's so, a growth company, so it might have some troubles right now with the with the Federal Reserve raising rates and and all that stuff. But uh, yeah, long term, CrowdStrike's a good one, um, and I just keep it on my watch list and wait for a, a decent uh, value for it. Right. So all this was was spawned out of a discussion of Poland buying all these Apache uh, helicopters, right? So uh, here's where I'm going to transition over to you. This uh, I'm going to make this one statement, and then I'm going to let you take over. This now gives Poland the second biggest helicopter attack fleet in the world, second only to United States of America. And that's a very, it makes you wonder about a few different things uh, about the environment of where we're going forward, considering Poland's location to a lot of other countries yeah. in the world. Well, it used to be, it was part of the Soviet bloc. So it's one of those countries that's supposed to be the buffer zone between Russia and NATO. So how's Russia going to react to it? And are they, I mean, they might not react, react to it. They might just talk, talk tough about it, but how are they going to react? Are they going to continue to use energy as a weapon? As some people are saying that they are. So that kind of comes into, you know, that brings us to what are we doing about oil? Because oil just, I, each, I mean, you said oil, you, you mentioned oil, bio oil. And then Friday you hit, you, you made your 3% gain on it. Um, which was great. But then right after that, like now, like as of yesterday, we're multi-month lows on this. So there's different, you know, cases that you can make about oil. And I want to know what's your case. Are you still bullish? Go ahead. So uh, as of last week at this time, compared to where were you, where we were at just two hours ago when I checked, um, we are just less than a percent up from last week at this time. So we are positive from when I made that statement last week. Yeah. Um, very small positive. Yes, I took my money out. I made my quick day trade. Um, I know you didn't get in. You got in uh, XLE, XLE, you said. Yeah, and yeah. I still own it. So, I mean, as far as oil going forward, <clears throat> we still have these underlining issues. We still have Russia. Uh, whether or not they're still "quote unquote" fixing the Nord Stream pipeline and they can't get it in there, we still have OPEC Plus go ahead and they're cutting production. Why? A lot of a lot of people are trying to guess why. I don't want to get into guessing why. I just want to say they they are cutting production. All right, so that has an effect on it. I've seen our oil um, inventories here continue to drop. That's not a good sign. We need to pump more oil in the system to continue to go. Um, so. Oil is is still a big effect, and I I, I don't understand why the price is coming down. It's Where because the inventories because the inventories are dropping. It's speculation. It's 
scare about a potential deep recession and uh, future lack of demand. Not current lack of demand, but future lack of demand. So if and, and everybody says don't fight the Fed. A lot of people say don't fight the Federal Reserve. When you're raising the value of the dollar, essentially, or trying to at least, um, that should theoretically bring down the price of oil. So buying XLE like I did and playing these oil stocks, that is the ultimate fight against the Fed. But right now, and, and not saying anything politically bad or positive or whatever about this, but right now the federal the, the federal government is not slowing down spending. So even though you got the Fed trying to rein in the purse strings, raise interest rates and stuff like that, there's been no sign of, of, of spending slowdown from the federal government. So that, to me, that just tells me the U.S. dollar is still in inflationary mode. We hit multi-year highs against the Japan yen and against Great Britain's pound, um, I think it was yesterday. But that doesn't tell me anything. All of the currency trading that happens, it's, it's currency, you know, the U.S. dollar compared to another country's currency. And everybody kind of made the same um, decisions about COVID and about stimulus and all of that. And everybody devalued their dollar. So really what you should be looking at is the dollar versus the price of goods and services or the dollar versus commodities. And right now, inflation is still high. So the value of the dollar is still low. And, and without the federal government slowing down spending, that's bullish for commodities to me. So I still own the XLE, even though I do think a recession is coming. Um, I don't see a slowdown right now in commodity prices. I just see a temporary pullback. Go ahead. So many things to talk about what you just and, and I could be completely wrong about this. I'm kind of I'm I'm shooting my shot at it. And in a hundred percent I could be wrong because I'm not staring at a balance sheet with XLE. I'm looking at the companies in the XLE, and I do see a lot of really good companies that are a lot better than they were 10 years ago. So, so that's so another here, thing. Even at $83, $84 a, a, a barrel of oil right now, if you're looking at Exxon, if you're looking at ConocoPhillips, still a good deal for them. Go ahead. Are you, are you sure? Can I go? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> All right, man. I, I forgot like your first couple of statements here. You, you did the whole, let me make a couple of statements. And they continue talking, so he'll forget all about these first couple things. I hate that, but um, what did I? Okay, so my first. No, couple so many things here. here. Okay. So so many Go things ahead. here to, to let's let's un, let's unwrap everything you just said. Because first of all, I want I want to talk about you talked about the uh, U.S. government and the spending. Right, yeah. our our spending has not decreased, even though they said they were going to start tapering. We have not tapered down to the the amount we need to start tapering down. We're still buying mortgage backed securities, and we're still buying bonds. Well, the Federal There's, Reserve, and then, but then the federal government's still passing stimulus bills to to you know okay, bail out okay. the loans and things like that. I know, but I want to break this down for people listening so they understand exactly what we're talking about. So what that does is that that um <laughs> it floods the it, it puts a lot of money in the bond market that is just really kind of printed money if you will and it, it pumps it up but not not organically not the way it should be pumped up you know what i mean and uh the mortgage-backed securities they're buying these mortgages so the government's going ahead and saying hey we'll take care of these mortgages don't you worry about it and it, we don't know you know how good these mortgages are you know and people should be asking that question especially if you live through 2008 2007 you need to be asking those questions stop just blindly buying mortgages let's let's have some common sense here right so that's the first thing is that the government's pumping out all this money. So it's 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 
devalue in the dollar, you would think, right? But no, the dollar is going up in value. The dollar is way up in value. The dollar index, uh, if you watch the dollar index, which I have for almost 20 years now. But only dollar, against other currencies, though. All right. Yeah, the dollar index is very high. Um, and when you, you do see it against other currencies. So I remember a time back in, I believe it was, what, 2012, 2013? Correct me if I'm wrong. I may be wrong. Probably am wrong. When a lot of celebrities wanted to be paid in euros because the euro was 1.5 to every dollar, right? As of this morning, it was one for one. So if you got yeah. paid in euros, you lost fifty. Uh, no, thirty percent of your value. Thirty percent of your value was gone now because you got paid in euros. Um, it's now equal one to one, and that's not a good sign for Europe. Uh, Great Britain dropping down to that low one fifteen. That's not a good sign for Britain. But again, that's just speculation trading. It could mean nothing. Could mean something. When we say, if you're, if you're a new trader or a new uh, investor, and we say that uh, you know oil's traded off of dollars, right? Mm -hmm. So we can't just trade coffee and copper and oil around the world without saying, hey, how are we how are we going to base this price off of? So all commodities in the world are based off the U.S. dollar. That's how we trade it. So if if you are in China and you want to buy barrels of oil, you buy it in U.S. dollars. That's how we have a a standard equal rate for buying and selling of commodities or goods. So when the dollar goes up in value, the the cost of those goods should go down in price because you should be able to buy more per dollar. That's what we're talking about here. However, we are also seeing a drop in inventories, but that's because, like Brandon said, we there's a thought process that we're going to have a big, deep recession, and that was put even more in case – by the Fed's comments this week saying that we're going to push hard on inflation. Doesn't matter. We're not worried about the recession right now. We're worried about inflation. And so by them making those comments, people really think we're going to be in recession. So that's why you see the price of oil going down. I don't now having said all that, now that we've caught every everybody up to where we're at, Brandon, um, where I view it, I view the problems with Russia. Are gonna are gonna persist for a short term, right? We're still gonna have that. OPEC is making money hand over fist. Why would they want to stop that? They'll just do more cuts. They're gonna continue to do more cuts because they're making a lot of money right now. Everybody, when Saudi Aramco was going public, everybody was saying this is overvalued. This is not a good company. This was like what three years ago before COVID. Overvalued. They'll never make a. They'll never make any uh, as much money as they think they're gonna make. You know, yada yada yada. Look what's happening now. Saudi Aramco is just shoving it in their faces saying, hey, we're making money hand over fists right now. Thank you very much. Mm -hmm. And uh, the they're very happy with what they're at right now. This is where a lot of companies such as Venezuela has priced how they budget is is uh, a lot of company, a lot of countries who uh, main product is oil budget off of a price of oil saying our budget is based off selling oil at $70 a barrel. Well, I know Venezuela is a little bit higher than where it's at. And I think it's $100 a barrel. But some countries are at $70 a barrel, $75 a barrel. So right now, they're having a surplus in their country and in their economy. And they want to keep that surplus coming because they had a few years where they were in the negative. And so they want to balance that out and build a, uh, a, a purse fund, if you will. And I know Saudi Arabia does because they understand the oil is finite. And that they want to diversify into other things and other fields and have a, that their sovereign wealth fund grow. So knowing all this, knowing that they have a longer term view than the United States does, United States is every election cycle, our view changes. 
but Saudi Arabia does not. You know, they have that longer term view. I believe that oil will remain high in the short term. So there's one last puff off the cigar. Oh, here we go. <laughs> it's a Warren Buffett idiom. Like to buy, well, more of a Ben Graham thing. Likes to buy uh, stocks and companies and buy things that you can get one last puff off of. As long as they're a good value. Yeah, and I think oil will be a uh, strong uh, commodity here in the short term. Yeah. In the long term, yeah, eventually it's going to come back down. But uh, not not anytime in the next few months. It shouldn't. It shouldn't, at least. I say that, but yeah, you never know what happens. I mean, and I do. I understand the bear case to this. So if you don't want to buy oil, or even if you're shorting it, I get it, which is that makes it kind of a difficult thing for me because I also understand the bull case. And I'm on the bull side right now for oil, for all the reasons you just mentioned. But I also understand the bear case in the macroeconomic sense that, you know, yeah, if we hit a recession, then demand is going to fall. Um, but I think we're pulling forward a lot of uh, uh, fear right now for things that haven't yet happened. And we don't know when they're going to happen. So if we catch the market by surprise and there's no recession in the next three months, then oil's come, going right back up. Yeah, and and BP is the CEO of BP was on. People forget this. The CEO of BP was on TV about a was it two three weeks ago, and he was asked, "What if all cars in United, in, in the United States were electric and nobody uh, no car used oil?" He said, "Oh, if they were all electric and there's no oil cars on the road, no gas cars on the road by 2040, we would still be making billions. Yeah. We'll be making." Billions is what well, he said. Start installing electric, uh, um, you know, chargers and stuff like that, and the gas stations because that's the only way to do it and keep the infrastructure um, that we have for the gas, and, and then switch it over to electric charging, and, and the gas companies can sell electric instead of selling gas. Right, and so let me let me bring this up. There's a company out there, ticker symbol M O Mo, right? Altria. They always raise their dividends. Um, Everybody thought that this company was dead and gone when all these smoking bans were happening. And uh, uh, there's huge push for Americans to quit smoking. And the amount of people actively smoking dropped tremendously in the United States. At, uh, I think it was around, what, 2000? And I'm the only idiot left yeah, doing yes, it. Yes, yes. And it was around 2000, or between 2000 and 2010, there was a big push in America to drop smoking rates. And it worked. Yeah. Truth.com was one of the big push. It worked. A lot of people have quit smoking and not smoking right so what does altria do you know they they realize that you know smoking is going to go away eventually there's the you know, smokers are going to die out quote unquote <laughs> and so and it's going to be the end of, of that industry so altria as of today makes hundreds of millions of dollars off of what wine altria has all the vaping that you see out there they they own a big chunk of all those vaping supplies um, Altria will will continue to make money off of your vices, and they'll continue to move into the alcohol uh, sector of the of, of the United States, yeah. and they'll continue to make money hand over fist off the American vices as long as we have them. They're going to continue to be profitable. They pay a dividend, and they continually raise that dividend. I know a person who's been a long time investor in Altria, and they continue to increase uh, their 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 balance there very well. They have diamond hands. They've bought and they hold and they reinvest their dividend, and so, you know, okay. there's guy. I bring okay. up I bring up that this this talk about oil, in the same regard as like these oil companies. BP, if we all go electric, is still going to be around a hundred years from now. Yeah, they're yeah. going to be into something else. 
And the XLE will still be around too. Yeah, right. Funds. So, <laughs> so there, that that's my thoughts on oil, Brandon. Go. I mean, Asia Asia still has one of the highest male adult smoking percentages. Um, Japan and Korea, for example. Yep. Very high adult, but yet some of the highest life expectancies, which cigarettes, of course, are not contributing to that. They're weighing on it, of course, but uh, you know, it's just all about diet. It's it's about diet too. And I need to change my diet, so so do I. But I probably won't. So <laughs> Lipitor, here I come. <laughs> Brandon, what do, what do you got next for us, man? Yeah, that's actually like all that's all I had. I mean, I was gonna talk about the oil situation, whether or not you're still bullish on it. And um I actually wasn't planning on talking about CrowdStrike, so bonus. Well, let, let me go a few minutes here then into my next topic. Uh, I mentioned it before the show to you. Let's mention it now to the people listening. Well, a while back. Come back to me because I do have one more thing I can talk about, but go ahead. Okay. A while back, I believe it was about a year ago, in fact, I covered how the fact that Apple was going to go ahead and you're going to be able to send text messages from one Apple to another Apple without a wireless service, without going to Verizon, T-Mobile, and so on and so forth. Um, you're able to make emergency phone calls. And then on Wi-Fi, you can make all phone calls, so on and so forth. This is what Apple's big plan was to break away from needing Verizon, T-Mobile to sell their phones and use the services. They want to do it all on their own to control every aspect of it, which I'm against, but whatever. Um, yeah, freedom to make your own choice. Um, so Apple's planning to do this, right? So they were going to use a satellite company. I believe it's Globestar or Globestat, Statar, or I, I'm probably pronouncing it wrong. I know I am. I'm, I'm butchering it here, but... That company was signed on to go ahead and do this, and they were getting close to finalizing the deal. And guess who enters the room? Elon Musk. He comes in the room and he's like, "Hey, I already got something set up that we're already, you know, moving and grooving on. It's called Starlink. Have you ever heard of it?" And now he's in talks of Apple. He's going to. He's really getting in on this deal and trying to push out Globe Globestar. I don't even. I don't, I'm probably not saying that right, but they, they're Globe. We call it Globe now. You're pushing out Globe, and he's moving in on this deal, and he wants to steal this from Apple, and he wants to get the Apple deal. Brandon, what's it? What's it? What, what kind of chances do you give him on stealing this uh, from from the Globe company? I don't know. He's got a relationship with Tim Cook already. He tried to sell Tesla to him years and years ago. He should have bought it too. Yeah, you know? Apple Apple declined to buy Tesla, but um, that's like Blockbuster declining to buy Netflix. Yeah. Well, yeah. That's a whole crazy story that happened there with Viacom involved. Even that was wild, but uh, yeah, I don't know. I don't know what the chances are of him stealing the deal. Are I think it has to go up to shareholder vote. It depends on um, if it's already been voted on by Globe Star. Is that does that even go to vote? I don't know. To be honest, I don't. I don't think it goes to vote. It doesn't go to vote. It's not a merger or nothing. It's just a contract with a company to supply the satellites. And I and here's the thing is that but Musk already he already has the infrastructure in place. He has a lot of his satellites up there. Is he sending more up every every month? Yes. So he's continuing to grow his infrastructure, but he already has an infrastructure that's been proven to work. Um, I don't know if Globe has any up there yet. They may. They may have a, a small percentage up there that they've been testing with, working with. I'm sure they do. Otherwise, they wouldn't be in talks of Apple if they didn't. Um, but I I can't see it being as big as Starlink. I don't know. It depends on if they've inked a deal. 
right? And then a, a lot of a lot of Apple users don't like Elon Musk. How are they going to feel about them using his service to go ahead and uh, make their calls and text messages? Yeah, will know. will that affect them pulling out of Apple and moving to uh, Samsung or another company? Probably not. Probably not. If if he's got the um, the premium service as far as that goes, then th- there's no reason to turn it away. I think he does. I think he has edge over Globe because he has a better system already put in place and it's already been proven to work. It's just amount of the deal. Can he? Can he? Can he ink a deal? You know. And and Starlink. When are we going to see that IPO? Where? When are we going to see SpaceX IPO? When are we going to see? You know, the boring company IPO with the Hyperloop IPO. He has all these companies, guys, that are not not even public. That once they go public, are probably going to explode, especially SpaceX. He said that he has to see a path to profitability before he makes them go IPO. Until then, it doesn't make any sense. Uh, I mean, for the, sure, for sure, we're going to wait till we get out of the funk in the market market right now because yeah. the market for IPOs right now is just awful. But uh, the boring company didn't they sell a ton of those flamethrowers? Yeah, <laughs> remember when those are coming out? Yeah, we're seeing and people they, using them on the driveways. And the whole way, the whole way that he was able to do that legally was just to say it wasn't a flamethrower. So on the bar on the box it says this is not a flamethrower, <laughs> and then it was legal <laughs> to sell. Wow, that is crazy. Uh, but that's the boring company, guys. If you don't know what the boring company is, so in order to build his hyperloop system that he wants to do, uh, that he's building, he is building, and he has built in certain areas. What this is is like uh, think <coughs> about a bank teller. You put a little tube in the bank teller, and it shoots up and goes right to the bank teller from where you're at in the drive-through. It's that same type of system, but faster, bigger, and better. And it's going to be able to take someone from LA to San Francisco in 45 minutes. And it's, it's super fast, and it's going to be way more affordable than air because you don't need all that gas and oil, and you don't need all these airlines. You could just use the Hyperloop system. Well, in order to build these tunnels, these companies were, were charging tons and tons of money, and it was going to be all these permits and everything. Yep. And it was going to be a big hassle, right? So what he did is he went out and he started his own company called The Boring Company. And all they do is they drill holes and they make these tunnels for the Hyperloop system. So he created another company to help out his other company. And, and that's what he does. And he has these big, huge machines that go in there and create these tunnels. I see that kind of innovative thinking helping him with Starlink get this deal with Apple. I see I see Globe as being done. The stock price took a hit um, off the news. Um I, I see it taking a bigger hit, and it's just going to help uh, Elon Musk. Now, everybody wants to go ahead and pump up Tesla stock when some of these other companies are had these big news, but he, he can't do that. They're not related. He yeah. does not. He he, he hasn't he hasn't intermingled Starlink funds I, with Tesla funds. They're I don't see. Right I don't see Elon Musk ever making a move like this in particular without thinking that he has a chance. What about Twitter? Well, the Twitter thing, that's what I'm saying. <laughs> He's not buying out Twitter. This is just making him money right away. You know? And yeah, he doesn't have to buy Apple. He's just he's just getting a contract. If, yeah, I don't think he's gonna spend his time and energy on this if it's if it's not possible. So there you go. I so has, I feel he has a good shot at it. I feel he's gonna do well with it. Um, but I don't know. Yeah. Brandon, what did you have? And then we'll you know go into uh, final thoughts after uh, what you get. This can be my final thought, and it might take a minute. 
we give out all this advice for free, right? Because we are trying to help people. There are so many people right now still on the internet and and, and uh, Twitter and, and stock twits and YouTube and and they're trying to sell you their their uh, stock patterns or their chart patterns that sound like Lucha Libre wrestling moves, like the triple, double, flip, whatever, bullish star pattern, the shooting star off the top rope. I don't know, whatever they're calling it. These people are a lot like the palm readers and, uh, you know, the people that pretended to talk to your dead relatives when Houdini was alive. Dave, Dave, we are the Houdinis of our day for the stock market. We're not reading <laughs> horoscopes. We're not trying to read the stars and try to pretend like we know exactly where the market's going. And by the way, we're doing this for free because if those other people were really trying to help you, they wouldn't be selling their services like that. I Yeah, I 100% agree, man. Uh, do we get some wrong? Yeah, we get some wrong every now and then. But for the most part, if you've been listening to us for a whole time, then I, I would say we're probably at 80% correct. And Oh, yeah, a, a easily 80%, if not higher. But yeah. I mean, we do get some wrong. We're not perfect. We're gonna we're gonna not we're gonna do a bad call every now and then. And I remember DD was one of my bad calls. We're not sending you notifications to your phone saying that our options that we just played made three thousand percent for the day. And you know, just subscribe to us and you could see all these plays. And then of course you don't see anything about the fails that they had or any of the mistakes that they had. You know, the options market today was pricing a fifteen percent move on RH. We we got one point three percent. How many of those people, I wonder, got into a call and then were, you know, telling all their followers to get into a call and then ghosted them after it didn't work? Probably a lot, man. I mean, I see. I know what you're talking about. You get these emails that say, hey, you know, learn how to make 300 percent in returns in this in this week. You know, this is what we've got return on this. And when you actually get it, learn about these numbers and learn how they they do these things, you know, it's not false advertising because uh, the bigger companies like Seeking Alpha, Motley Fool will be sued if it was false advertising. Depends. But what you have to understand is like, well, it, what you have to understand is when they're saying they got like a 300% return on something, they didn't tell you that, you know, they made a call back in 2002. And if you held it the whole time until now, you made 300%. That's not what that's not, that's what they're not telling or, you. Or, you know, and, they're, they're day, trading, day trading calls and puts like a lot of them do. And they made 300% on something else. But, you know, at the same time, the other thing that they played lost 400%. And so they're not going to tell you that 400% loss or that 350% loss. They'll only tell you what they made money on. Yeah. So, I mean, there, there is a lot of that out there. And, and I agree with you, Brandon. We we do try uh, here at Chinchilla Pickle. Let's bring back to a positive note. We do try to help you guys. We give you guys uh, our advice, uh, what we do, what we know. What works for us? I always try to say, try to have a goal of you know doing like three trades a week for one to two percent trades. If you're going to be a trader, and go for that five percent a week. If you're going to be an investor, which is what Brandon prefers, you know, go for the long term. Find some good companies that value but, prices right now. That understand there's going to be ups and downs, and and go for the long term. I mean, I do trade too. I, I invest most of my portfolio and I trade on the side. And every once in a while, when it's obvious situation, I I do options. I did do options. For two straight years, because I told myself that I was only going to do it until I became good at it. And the first year I lost money, the second year I beat the S&P 500. But I just edged out the S&P 500 doing it. 
and I, I took 10 years off my life and added a couple of gray hairs doing it too. So then I just thought to myself, you know what? I can beat the S and P 500 just using stocks. So, you know, save the puts for obvious situations. Like when we were, we were having the COVID crash, everybody was freaking out and selling their Amazon stock. When we all knew we were going to be sitting at home for months with stimulus checks, of course, call options were, were, uh, uh, you know, a good play there. Of course. So I played calls on Amazon there. So obvious situations, Options, of course, have have their uh, their utility, and and then also if you think that your stock's going to move sideways or even go down, then you can you know you sell options against it for insurance. Fine, I'm not against options. I just play stocks more often now because it's less stressful and I don't have to stare at my phone every five minutes. There you go. Uh, my final thought, since uh, Brandon got his in, I'll go to my final thought here. Uh, <laughs> I am looking at defensive military stocks right now for the long-term investment. Um, I got my three that I, I feel strongly about. Um, I haven't, I haven't bought any yet. I am looking to buy one. I, I probably be looking more along the, uh, <sighs> Northrop Grunham, Lockheed Martin stocks. Uh, definitely. I, I think I, I Brandon would, convinced, you, I you convinced Lockheed, me about Bowen. Lockheed or, or Raytheon, I think are better values than Northrop. But Northrop's also a good company too. So, and you convinced me about Bowen not to go down that route. Um, oil, I'm always watching oil. I'm always looking for opportunities in oil. Uh, do I think there's going to be a short-term drop in price? No, I do not think there's going to be a short-term drop in price. Will I be wrong? Maybe, but I I, I doubt it. I, I see that price is going to stay right where it's at or higher. And that's just because of the geopolitical events that we have going on or can continue for the next few months. There's no way that uh, Russia leaves Ukraine by the end of the year. So um, that's going to continue for a while. If we stay right where we're at right now or near it, um, the balance sheets on these companies are just great. Most of them. Most of them are really good. And um, you're going to have an earning surprise to the upside because people are going to be really selling off these companies thinking, oh, it was $105, $110, you know, just a few months ago. Now we're down in the $80 range, but that's still sustainable to these companies and they still have a good margin on it. So I still buy it. Plus with the British prime minister coming out today saying that they're going to open up the British, uh, uh, I guess, properties, country, land, uh, land. To uh, fracking, Schlumberger took a big jump up because Schlumberger handles a lot of this. Uh, you, you could say the logistics of the piping and and, and the tool and and, and getting the uh, rigs up and running. And so they took a big jump up today off that news. So there are some positives. So if you had Schlumberger last week, I did. Uh, Brandon, you asked me like, what was going to be some good companies? I said Schlumberger. Uh, I just like saying that over and over again. Um, I said Exxon. I said Chevron. Um, I said rig if you really want to get a penny stock, but I would kind of stay away from that. Uh, but Schlumberger was the first one I, I believe I said last week. So it, it's continuing to be good, especially off the news from the British Prime Minister today. Um, but that's how geopolitical events move stocks. Brandon, any last words? Because I am done. Yeah, I think you, th- uh, yeah, I think uh, the theme is that I talk too fracking much. <laughs> you should see the notes. the notes that I have for these shows. My girlfriend took a picture of them. And there's like Fanny and Fred, Freddie turnover. And then I've got them like all crossed out. Like she took a picture of it and she was like, these are the notes of a madman. I don't know if you know this, Dave, but I'm a bit eccentric. Yes. Yes. I do know that. 
But you do do good research. You delve deep into companies. You find out when a pension fund in Japan is moving markets in the United States. So I always appreciate that. And I always bring that up as an example of how well you do your research. Um, all right, guys, don't forget, September 17th, 11 a.m., Union Center Boulevard in Westchester, Ohio. We'll be there live podcasting. If you can't join us live in person, I will be live on Instagram, Chinchilla Picking, podcasting that way. And we'll also be recording it so you can hear it later on Saturday night. Uh, when we publish it. So two different ways, to, uh, three different ways to listen, either live on Instagram, listen to the uh, published podcast later on Saturday or show up live and ask us questions. Those are your choices. As always, guys, we hope we've been entertaining, educational and uplifting because we want everyone to make money. Have a good night. Have a good night.